you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Privilege and honor to introduce the man that is not only my pastor, but who is my father. And we love Pastor Jordan. We love him dearly. And... I want to mention that there are two opportunities to hear Pastor Jordan today. First of all, you're getting ready to hear him in just a moment. And because we have no service tonight, we invite you to join us at our Lebanon campus at 2 o'clock. He will be preaching and speaking to us again. And we're very excited about it. Make an effort to be in the house of the Lord if you'd like to make it to two services But before he comes, I'd like to make a couple of remarks. He thought I was just coming to talk about coming to service in Lebanon because we have no night service. But I've got a couple things to say about my dad. My father has not only led this church in such an incredible way and set a pace for the future of what God has for for this region, But he has set such an incredible example for this church as a father, as a male figure in many of your lives. And and there is no better example as a father and as a leader that I know. He has cast vision that has sent this church moving forward into the future And the things that God has used him to do in this region has absolutely blown our minds. God has set a pace and God has shown us just a glimpse of his mighty plan for the city of Frankfurt. And if it were not for this man, I do not believe that this church would be where it is today. And... Many of you today can attest to moments, I know I can as a son, but many of you can attest to moments that this man has lifted your hands. He has lifted you up and given you godly counsel in times of need and peace and encouragement. And to each of you, while he is my father today, and there's only three of us in the house that truly have that honor, many of you can say today that he has been a father in your life and that he has lifted you up and given you counsel and spoke love and peace and guidance and wisdom into your hearts and into your lives. And as he comes today, I want to give him the honor that he deserves. Would you welcome my father, 
our pastor as he comes to this pulpit to preach the word of the Lord. Well, give that to the Lord. He's the one that's truly deserving. Would you do that? We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Please be seated. Thank you so much to my son and my sons and my sons in the gospel and to this wonderful church. Thank you for the kind words this morning, Brother Brandon and Brother Spencer. Um, I don't feel that they're accurate. I'm looking around to see who you actually were talking about today. I give honor to Pastor Danny and what was said about him is accurate. I consider it a distinct honor every time I get to stand in this pulpit. To stand in this pulpit on Father's Day is an extremely high honor. And to be able to speak to the men of this wonderful church and congregation and those that are gathered here today is an honor. I don't take it lightly. However, I felt direction from the Lord earlier this week and I wrestled with it for a few days. I bounced it off of our pastoral team and finally arrived at a decision and made some calls yesterday. And I'm going to open this morning and make a few statements to you. And I have asked six people to help me today. And each of them are going to come. I don't want to come MC through everything and have something to say after everyone. So those of you that have been asked to speak today, I want you to go ahead and be prepared. And then when one steps down, the other can follow uh, through. And I believe we're going to have a touch from the Lord today and some great things that's going to be spoken. I've asked specifically today for us to take a focus on our fathers and whatever they may feel today. Um, I stand in this pulpit, probably of all Father's Day, recognizing uh, my own weaknesses, understanding areas of my own personal life and ministry and leadership and fathership uh, where that I need to grow and need to be better and need to do better. And it's all right to reach those points in our lives when we recognize that God has more for our future, that we're not at the end of the road, but that we have grown to where we are, but what God has ahead of us is greater than what God has behind us. <laughs> to every man and my elders that are in the room today, I honor you and I give you high honor and respect to those of you who are fathers biologically and naturally by adoption or those of you who are spiritual fathers who maybe have never fathered a child of your own or adopted a child to raise. Perhaps you have influenced someone, but above all, you are a spiritual father. I want to honor you today and tell you that the role and job of a father is the highest honor that any of us could possibly ever have. 
And uh, I, I don't feel adequate to stand before you today to speak to you uh, on my own merits. I have three wonderful sons that I am so incredibly proud of. And if you've been around me more than three minutes, you've heard me bragging on my sons to the point that my friends don't want to talk to me because I am so incredibly proud of my sons. I'm also so very proud of my sons in the gospel. And I'm very proud of this incredible church. And all of the men and males in this room today, while there's a lot of focus on us, would not want to be where we are if it wasn't for the incredible, praying, persistent, godly ladies that serve this congregation and our homes and family. And I honor you today and thank you for making us the men that we are. Amen. I've reflected. My father turned 85 this past week, and um, I've been reflecting on things that I learned from my father, and I want to make a few statements before Brother Danny comes today and shares a few thoughts, but I I sat down and began to pen some things. I wish I would have started earlier. Because I I started writing and I thought, I'm going to write 10 things I learned from my dad. And I wrote the 10 things. And while I was going through proofreading and going through, I I ended up adding a few. And I ended up with 14 and 18. And the OCD would not allow me to end without reaching 20. And I got 20 and went back through and started defining and putting them together. And I ended up with 28. And it wouldn't work for me. And so I went to 30, and again, as I proved, I ended up getting to 40, and I said, Lord, somewhere I have to stop. But then because OCD causes us to be forced into some sort of package that says that there has to be a reasoning behind us arriving at certain numbers, I thought 52 would be wonderful. That is an idea for every week of the year. I didn't arrive at 52. I ran out of time. So I stopped at 40, but I want to share just a few things with you this morning that I learned from my dad. Some you may find humorous. Some may not make sense to you. Some may make sense only to those who know me real well and understand the inside track of what I'm saying. My family may understand it better. I hope my dad listens online or or listens through the, the, um, uh, the podcast. Uh, of what I'm saying this morning because I've learned so very much from my father and from the men that have affected my life so very much. And so I give you honor this morning by sharing this little thought or these thoughts, uh, these little dadisms, if you please, with the congregation this morning. My dad taught me some things. He taught me to never shake a man's hand sitting down. Stand up. He taught me that in negotiation... Never make the first offer. He said, when entrusted with a secret, be honest and keep it. He said, hold your heroes to a higher standard than everyone else. If they fail you, move on. He said, everything that glitters isn't gold. Some of you may have heard those. Everything that glitters isn't gold. 
Dad had some strange ways. He wasn't fond of borrowing things, and if he did borrow, he was always emphatic. And I remember as a child riding with him. And I still remember the day that he had a truck breakdown. He had to borrow somebody, our neighbor's pickup truck. And he drove the neighbor's pickup truck. I remember riding with him, and on the way home, he stopped. And he filled the truck up with gas, and he looked at me, and he said, Son, we're going to leave here and go to the car wash. Because there's something you always remember. When you return something, when you borrow something, return it cleaner than you got it. And when possible, with a full tank of gas. Whatever you're doing, Dad would say, do it with passion or don't do it at all. I try to live that in my life and ministry. Whatever you're doing, do it with passion or don't do it with all. Always make good on your word, no matter what it costs you. When shaking hands... Grip firmly and look them in the eye. If you err, always err on the side of grace and mercy. I couldn't stop there. I had to keep going. He said, live life in balance. There is more room for error when you drive in the middle of the road. That's why I drive all over the middle of the road. Dad would say, don't mumble, son. Speak clearly. Sometimes it's not what you say, it's how you say it. When you marry, you marry her whole family. Don't put off until tomorrow what you can do today. Cleanliness is next to godliness in most people's eyes, particularly the ladies. Never turn down a breath mint. There's probably a reason they offered it. <laughs> Dress a little better than is expected of you. Live so that the person preaching your funeral doesn't have to lie. Keep your eyes on the prize and your head out of the clouds. Just because someone says it, I've shared this over and over again. Many of you that have sat in my office have heard me say this. Just because someone says it doesn't make it right. You have the right to ignore it. If two people say it, Stop and pay attention and pray about it. If three people say it, change your ways. Go the extra mile. Dad will say it's expected of extraordinary people. Your reputation is up to you. Create it the way you want it. Dad would say don't tear down a fence until you know who built it and why it was built. Never make a decision when you're in the valley. Don't make fun of people who are less fortunate than you, he would say. Dad and mom both, from my smallest memories, would say, don't stare, son. Take a picture. It'll last longer. Smile. My wife calls it the Jordan smirk. Dad told it, called it a smile. He said, smile, 
no matter what's being said or done to you, it'll make people wonder what you're thinking. Be careful what you say and more careful what you write. Keep your friends close and your enemies. Manners make the man. You can tell about a lot about a man when you watch the way he walks. Dad would always say, he ran businesses and he would say, before I hire a man, I want to see him walk. Because the way he carries himself in his stride and walk will tell me everything I need to know about him. Take responsibility. Excuses are only good for the people who make them. Give credit when credit is due. Take the blame. It's always up to you. Always offer to pay. If turned down, be sincere when you say thanks. Never expect it. Dad taught me to stand up to bullies. It got me in a few fist fights when I was in school. Oh, I forgot the young people are in here. I thought it was going to be. Stand up to bullies, Dad would say, and defend those who cannot defend themselves. Write down your dreams, son, so you don't have to forget them when you're tired. Be confident but stay humble at the same time. I'm almost done. He said, when you're called of God, never stoop to be the president. Couldn't tell you the number of times gathered around the bed in the bedroom, my father's bed, before bedtime, we always prayed every night. Over and again, I would hear my dad look at me and say to me, son, you are so smart, so wise, you could be the President of the United States, but you have a call of God on your life, never stoop to be the President. Number 40, and I stop, if ever in doubt, remember whose son you are and refuse to be ordinary things I learned from my dad. I don't know if any of these struck a chord with you today, but to every young person that's in the room, to every adult that's in the room, you can learn something from your dad. Biological dad, dad by adoption, stepfathers, spiritual fathers. The men of this church are extraordinary. They're outstanding. Fatherhood is not necessarily connected to age. That's not what I'm speaking of this morning. But what I'm telling you today, look around you, find a godly man, put him in your life, and let him speak wisdom and truth. I honor our fathers today. Would you give all of our fathers a great big hand once more this morning? I want to give honor to Pastor this morning. Uh, what a great father figure he is. Uh, he's my pastor, my brother-in-law. 
but he taught me a thing or two uh, along the way, and I give him honor this morning. I, I, I want to take a moment, and I, I want to wish my, I kind of want to tag into what Pastor just spoke about, things that he learned from his father, and I want to speak about a couple of men uh, that are in my life that, that have impacted me in a great way. First of all, I want to wish my dad a very happy Father's Day. Uh, my dad taught me the importance of making time for my family. I never, I never remember growing up all the, all the baseball games, all the basketball games. I, one thing I, I will say about my dad, I never, I never forget, I never remember him ever missing one of my ball games. And now looking back uh, as being a business owner as he was back then, and I, I now know and I realize that it often meant that other important things got pushed to the background because he was going to make time for his family uh, no matter what it may cost him. He taught me by his example what it meant to work hard in order to provide for your family. I told my wife on numerous occasions, I remember uh, several times uh, that my dad probably doesn't want me to mention it, but I remember several times even on a Sunday uh, when we would go out to grandma and grandpa's for Sunday dinner, I remember him uh, going home and changing his clothes, and sometimes he would get in the truck and he would drive to a job site and he would spray Zypex all by himself that day in order to get the job done because he knew he needed to get something finished so he could get paid on that job so that he could provide for his family. He taught me what it meant to work hard and to always get up every morning and put in an honest day's work for an honest day's pay, even when it was something that you didn't, you don't like doing or you may not enjoy doing, but getting up every day and going to work to provide for your family. He taught me to love God and taught me to love the things of God. Our church always, our lives rather, always revolved around the church. Church, what, church attendance wasn't an option. For me, missing church for, for a sporting event in, at least in my house, and I'm just talking about me. Growing up, it wasn't an option. My dad said, "You could go play game. You can go play baseball on Wednesday." He said, "But I don't care what inning you're in, and I don't care if you're on the pitcher's mound. I don't care if you're in the batter's box. When 6:30 rolls around, we're leaving, and you're going to go to church. We're going to have your clothes. You're going to get dressed, and you're going to be at church. You're going to be on the platform. You're going to be banging the drums and driving everybody nuts." He said, it wasn't an option in my house, and I thank him for that. My dad taught me what it meant to be a servant. I often laugh, uh, even today, when I tell people that it's ironic that I now serve in much the same role that my dad served as I was growing up. So I learned that serving is not about gaining recognition or what the nice things that are, were said today, and I appreciate those words, but... I learned that being a servant and serving is not about the recognition, but rather it's about serving others with a willing heart. And I owe much of who I am today to my father. And I want to say thank you, Dad. I love and I honor you for your example and what you taught me in life. I, he's not here this morning, but I want to take just a moment and I want to give honor to my father-in-law who's in the hospital and although I haven't known him from my entire 42 years of existence on this earth, but for the, last, for the past 22 years, I've watched him closely, and I learned from his example. 
I watched him at 66 years of age as he left the security of an assistant pastorship uh, at a church in Arkansas. I, I watched him as he followed the call of God to go and to plant his second church in Alma, Arkansas when he left uh, the security and he went and he moved 40 minutes away and began a church with nothing but six people. Now, I, I, he, now he, I, I do want to say this, that he has reached a milestone in his ministry this year. He has been licensed with the United Pentecostal Church for 50 years. I've watched him as he gave not only his life to ministry, but I can say I've watched him as he gave his health to ministry. I watched as he worked a secular job those 22 years that I was around and personally funded the church that he pastored in order to ensure that the church continued to move forward. And as a result of his willingness to go and his sacrifice, there is a strong church in Alma, Arkansas today that is proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want to say that much of who I am today, I owe even to my father-in-law. And I want to say, even though he's not here, I want to say thank you, Pop. I love and I honor you for your sacrifice and your example in my life. And I'll be very brief this morning, but after reflecting on the fathers of my life and the men of my life, I begin to think about my own role as a father. And yesterday, sitting at a table talking with my wife, I began to weep when I thought about the feeling that came over me uh, almost 13 years ago when that fateful morning, Cheryl come to me and she said, babe, you're going to be a dad. And I, I, remember, I remember the feeling of joy. I remember, I remember the tears that I cried. And I, I remember I began to reflect about the first time in that hospital room when I saw my boys both for the first time. And I remember the first time that I got to hold them in my arms and I, I got to speak to them. And the first time I got to chide them. And the first time I had to, 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 to do the fatherly thing that was tough sometimes to to, to correct my boys, but I, I begin to think about all the joys of fatherhood and, and where I have come over the past 13 years. And it wasn't too long after becoming a father that I began to wonder who forgot to give me the instruction manual on how to be a father. And I, I, I was pretty sure, and I still wonder that I, and still think that I may not have a clue on how to be a father, and I want to pause and I want to say if anybody, any dad in this room has a manual and you would like to copy that and give it to me, I would gladly pay you for it because sometimes I feel so inadequate and I feel clueless. There are still many days that I, I wake up and I'm not sure if I know how to be a father any more now than I did then. And there are many days that I feel that I fall short of being the father that my boys need and expect me to be. I sat down with my boys last night and I asked them, I made the dreaded mistake, I asked them, I said, boys, guys, what, what do you like about your dad and, and what about your dad makes you feel loved? I got varying answers, some that I will not share with you this morning. I, I got a lot of, I, I don't know, 
Aiden said, I said, Aiden, what about, what about me makes you feel? How, how, do you know, how do you know that I love you? He looked at me and said, because I just know, Dad. I just know. And I said, well, that's, that's not good enough. And last night, that wasn't good enough. But as I begin to think about that, I understand what he's saying because there were just times in, in my life with my dad that I wondered, seriously? <laughs> but I just, I just knew. I just knew that he loved me. But I sat down and I asked him the questions. I, I, what, what do you like about your dad? What, makes, how, what, make, what about me makes you feel loved? And they begin to say things like, well, dad, you're nice. And I'm like, well, you struck out there. I heard things like, dad, because you clean up our messes. Did I do that? There could have been one that, because, Dad, you step on our Legos every night when you get up, or every morning when you get up and you don't throw them away. I could have, he could have said that. Things like, Dad, you're funny and you make us laugh. But there was one thing out of all those answers that really struck a chord with me when Brantley looked at me and he said, Dad, because you protect us. And I thought, wow. And while all that Brantley thinks about when he says that is dad protecting him from bad guys and monsters. And Aiden used to think that. But they may not realize that every night when dad goes to bed, dad is cover them, covering them in prayers of protection for them to one day become the men and the fathers that God has ordained them to be. And as I pray over them, I... I also pray prayers of God helping and directing me as their father to know, to now rather, be the father that God has ordained me to be. I recently shared a, a Facebook post from Brother Lee Stone King that really struck a chord with me. Some of you may have seen it uh, as I shared it, uh, but I feel like it's worth repeating today. The post said something like this, that one night a father overheard his son's prayer and it went like this. His son said, Dear God, please make me the kind of man that my daddy is. And then later that night, the dad, as he laid down and as he knelt down and he began to pray, the dad's prayer sounded something like this. Dear God, please make me into the man my son wants me to be. And so I, I want to challenge every father, every stepfather, every grandfather, and yes, even every adopted father in this room, regardless of your children, of the age of your children, whether they're infants or maybe they're married and they have children of their own. Or maybe it's someone that looks up to you as a father figure because their father has stepped off the scene. But I challenge every one of you to take time daily to not only pray over your children, but to pray for yourself. Because we must realize that we need God's help for us to be the fathers and the godly examples that we have been called to be. Yes, we will fall short. Yes, we will fail many times. Yes, many times we will go to bed and we will cry ourselves to sleep because we failed 
to do and to be what God has called us to be. But I want, to, I want you to realize the, the importance by sharing the lyrics to a song that Phillips, Craig, and Dean recorded many years ago that I think that every father should adopt as their anthem. And it says this, I want to be just like you because he wants to be just like me. I want to be a holy example for his innocent eyes to see. Help me be a living Bible, Lord, that my little boy can read. I want to be just like you because he wants to be like me. I think that all of us, all fathers, adopted fathers, grandfathers, ought to feel the weight of the role that we feel. And I think that we should never forget that our children will learn to be whatever example that is set before them. They will read our actions and our attitudes. And when the pressures and temptations of life, and I, I close with this, I end with this, but when the pressures and the temptations of life come, they will react as they have watched us react. And one day their speech will become our speech. And most importantly, their prayer life will become what our prayer life is. Because they will become the type of parent that we have exemplified in front of them. So let's be the godly examples. Let's be the fathers, the grandfathers, the stepfathers, the adopted fathers that God has called us to be. I honor all of our fathers this morning. I just want to say thank you to Pastor and the rest of my pastoral authority for allowing me to be up here this morning. And thank you to all of this church for just being a place I can call home and a family. But I'm here today to talk about my dad, which I'm sure he's loving. And if you don't know, my dad's name is Ben Hinn, which tells me that either my grandparents really loved to rhyme or Dr. Seuss was really popular back then. Also, his sister's name is Jen Hinn, so I'll just leave that there too. <laughs> But if you know my dad, it probably wouldn't surprise you that he was the class clown. I think he even got an award at his old Christian school titled, Most Times to Get in Trouble for Trying to Be Funny. Now the only times he gets to use his comedy skills is when he's chauffeuring me to all my practices. He thinks he's pretty funny, but I only laugh because when I was born, his dreams of being a comedian were crushed. So, In all actuality, though, my dad has taught me many, many things through his experiences as well as mine and others. He taught me to always use manners. He taught me to love music and to use it for God. And now he's teaching me to drive, which he's doing a pretty bad job at. <laughs> While it might, wait, hold on, sorry. But one of the biggest experiences he has used to teach me was his cerebral palsy. This causes his right arm to not be fully functional and makes it difficult for him to walk. Despite the bullying my dad faced growing up, the people telling him he would never amount to anything, and the others who just gave up on him, he continued to persevere. While my dad is a procrastinator, which is sadly a trait that I inherited from him, he is motivated and great at proving his doubters wrong. 
While being handicapped and having children might seem impossible, my dad helped my mother raise two kids. And we're both teenagers now, so we made it out alive. <laughs> While having trouble focusing might make it seem impossible to get a good education, my dad went back to get his GED, an associate's degree, and is still continuing his education on his way to get a bachelor's degree. While it might seem impossible for a man today to love his wife unconditionally, my dad does, and he has taught me to not settle for anything less than a man who puts God, church, and his family first. While it might seem impossible for a man to raise two kids, love his wife, get a degree, and work a job, my dad does, and even has his own office while doing it. Not only does he do these things and more, but he does them simultaneously. He does them while he encourages me to continue living for God and giving my talents passionately back to him. Also, some of you may remember a time where my family went through a rough patch and my dad had kidney cancer. It was one of the scariest moments for my family. And my dad taught me through his example to just trust in the Lord and lean on his peace in the times of fear. My dad is also a night out, which along with procrastination is something I inherited from him. And because of this, him and I will stay up late while he listens to me talk about my stories and dreams and speaks to me the honest truth about life. Even just two nights ago, he was encouraging me and telling me I have the potential to be anything that God wants me to be. He tells me about the dangers of this world that some parents are afraid to tell their kids about. And let me just tell you from a teenager's perspective, if they don't hear it from you, they'll hear it somewhere else. Or worse, they'll find out for themselves. So don't be afraid to tell your kids what they need to know. Children need a father figure. They need one who will step up and tell them right from wrong in a world where good is bad and bad is good. I live in a generation where it's common for most kids to never see their father, be abandoned by their father, or have a broken family. In fact, listen to this statistic. One in three children in the U.S. live without a father. That's pretty insane. In a world where it's normal to have an uninvolved father, I'm thankful that my dad is not the typical absent one. And while my father has been a blessing in my life, and I don't know how I'd make it without him, God steps in where even the best of fathers can't. I probably couldn't have made it without the verbal support and encouragement that comes from my dad, but I absolutely could not make it without my heavenly father. So while you might not have been as blessed as I am with your, my dad, there is still one that is greater than all fathers on this earth. There is a God who steps into that position and becomes a supporter and encourager you have never had. If you let him, he will become your comforter and merciful father you've always dreamed of. If you let him, he will be the one to listen to you on nights where you feel alone. And if you let him, he can be the one that tells you to never quit fighting for your dreams and ambitions. In a world of missing fathers, we have the opportunity to talk to the father of all things daily. Don't miss your chance to let God become your best friend. To those fathers out there that are involved in their families, continue to teach your children truth. And don't let your family become another statistic. God bless you all and happy Father's Day, especially to my dad. I'm so glad that Brother Jay asked Danny to go first because I could tell stories 
that are not true about me. And Brother Scott, uh, Sister Nancy, I can, I can tell you stories. It wasn't my fault. It was his. He said, hey, let's do this. And uh, all right, let's do it. So I blame Brother Scott and Brother Danny and Brother Sam. So anyway, so good to be here this morning. We appreciate all of our fathers. Uh, I appreciate my father more than your father. So, <laughs> so. anyway, everybody knows that fathers are not perfect. Children are not perfect, right? So, in, in everyday life, we make mistakes. We all make mistakes. I appreciate all the generation of my generation that are raising their kids in a godly church and trying to tell them how to do things right. I appreciate Brother Scott, Brother Danny, as, as I grew up with them, as they're teaching their children. I think Scott was probably the smartest because he had his kids early be out of the house. Well, I thought they'd be out of the house, but <laughs> I guess they just stay. I hope my kids stay too. Amen. <laughs> I want to, growing up, my father was really never home too much. He was always out driving truck and uh, always came home late, like when we were coming home, when we were getting ready to go to bed, he'd, he'd finally get home. But he'd always bring a box of Frito-Lay chips. So it made everything great, you know. So maybe it's rough for my mom, but he would come home and, uh, you know, he would bring those things home. And I thank Frito-Lay for making so many chips. So, <laughs> um, uh, I remember so many times that uh, he would get home, you know, and it, he'd be pretty tired from driving all day and everything else. And I would try to hide behind the door. And our family always would, like, scare each other. That, you know, jump out of the door or whatever. But when I would always scare my dad, he would just, hey, what's up? You know, <laughs> never scared him. I thought, well, maybe it's Vietnam. You know, maybe, you know, maybe that, and nothing scares him now. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, anyway, um, now that I'm older and I have kids of my own, I understand why he took that truck driving job and didn't come home late. So, you know, I mean, I understand it. So, Dad, he's a genius, you know. I appreciate him a lot. I mean, throughout the years and throughout time, you know, I've understood that he's not only my father. He's become my friend. He's become my mentor. You know, he's become so many things to our family. He's become my maintenance man, my chauffeur, my babysitter, and also my dishwasher. So he's done great. He's helped me out so much. You know, but um, as I watch now how he, he, he's helped people throughout the years, he's always dropped everything that he was doing to go help somebody else in need. And I remember so many times that, you know, Brother Price would call or somebody would call and say, hey, the air conditioner's out or something or something's not working, he would drop everything and go do it, you know. And, and that meant a lot to me because I know that he, he felt that the church was very important even though he wasn't even in church at that time. You know, he would come and snow, snow plow the drive and everything else. And I was like, why are you doing that? You know, he would, he would just drop everything and go help somebody. I'm like, why are you doing that? You're crazy. Why would you do that? Well, he does it for me now, so... He drops everything to help me. So um, the last few years since um, I've been sick and uh, seen more men in the church uh, have become more important to me than anything. 
Um, there's been several people that come by, and there's something I need done. They just do it, you know. I don't ask. They just they just come and do it. If I had to, I had to have some dirt spread in my yard and stuff, and they just came. They'd stop by. I was getting ready to start doing it, and then they just five, six guys just show up and start doing it. I'm like, man, that's great. I appreciate that so much. I appreciate all of our fathers today. I appreciate all the fathers that were a spiritual mentor to me growing up. I know Brother Jordan, uh, of course, he knows everything. I don't know how he knows it, but there's always, I don't know if he gets, he tells you, hey, wait a second, and he gets on YouTube, checks it out or something, but he knows. He knows everything. I don't understand it. He just, uh, he knows it. He, he knows it. You know, and Brother Dan growing up, I mean, he would always encourage us. And, but there's always one thing I could not stand is when he said, trust me. You know what I'm saying? He say, trust me. You don't trust him. <laughs> you end up in leotards or something else. You know, you know I mean? It's always crazy. So. But he was our, our youth pastor growing up. And, you know, he taught God's word and he was strong about it. And he, he put it into us. You know, and he, he put his life into us. Not just Brother Danny, but he put it into us. Brother Jordan puts his life into all of us. You know, and I appreciate that so much. And I remember Brother Gary Irons, I mean, all the time he let me stay at his house. <laughs> and Sister Nancy was like, well, are you crazy letting him stay over here? But we, I, we stayed there one time through an through a ice storm. And, you know, and things would get crazy. And Brother, Brother Gary would just say, well, let's just pray about it. You know, and that meant something to me. I mean, my dad wasn't always in church, and just to say, oh, let's pray about it. Yeah, okay, that's what works, is that when we pray about it and things. And, and I remember Brother uh, Jerry Hanna Sr. always, you know, he'd, I'd be wanting to play ball. I'm 10, 11, 12 years old, always wanting to play ball, and he was a coach. And I remember so many times he'd say, hey, go play in my spot. You know, and for, for a kid, that meant, that meant everything. I mean, through ball and everything else and through... All of our, our generation, we stuck together, you know, and three-fourths of all of our, our people are here. And I appreciate all of our fathers this morning. I thank you for standing up and being Christians and loving God and loving your families and putting your, yourself out there just for any other family also. Uh, by, or they said that it takes a, a village to, grow, to help grow a child. Man, we lived in one crazy village. Especially with Brother Dan. So <laughs> I appreciate all of our fathers. I thank you. We love you. We hope you have a blessed day. Amen. I realize walking up here what the fathers of all of us children must think as we come to this pulpit and share all of those wonderful stories. And I want to add to that today from Brother Emery, so amen. Um, and I do want to give honor to Brother Elder Emery for dealing with Brother Jason and raising that man of God. <laughs> but I want to talk to you about my father for a moment. If there's three things I've learned from my father, it's to work hard, to give to the kingdom, and to love. When loving... It was always God first. Family was next and then everyone else. He taught us how to love. It was uh, through that that he, he taught us that people are people. Souls are souls. And man, there are some honorary people and some honorary souls. 
but I've always watched my father um, to love through all of that and to have a loving heart through all that. I had the opportunity to work with my dad uh, for about 12 years, and we've been apart for about a year now from working with each other, but in those 12 years, we experienced some of the craziest people this world has to offer, and I'll never forget this one lady. We were in Kokomo, and she begins to just lose her mind over the fact that she had a water damage. And we had gotten her so close to the end, and everything was going right, and she had just the craziest, uh, a beautiful historic home, but she had to have certain colors of green, and everything just had to be perfect. And so one morning, he decides to call me up and goes, hey, make sure you're there on time. She wants to have a meeting, and she is ticked. And I thought, okay, here we go. So I walk in there with him, and we're about a week from being done with this job, and uh, begin to look at her, and she brought her nephew, I guess, for backup. And so we're standing there with this crazy lady, her nephew, me, and my father, and she's losing it. When I tell you her head's shaking, those tears are just flying all over the walls, and everything's going wrong because she could not have her tea parties. And I thought, okay. So I began to watch my dad, and I watched him through the whole thing, and I began to think, how are we going to get through this? And uh, she just began to freak out, and so finally the nephew steps in and calms down and talks to my father through the whole thing. And throughout a six-month project, we moved the project up one day. And it made everybody happy, and everybody, everybody was fine, and we walked out, and instantly my father calls me, and he finds a way to laugh as people are people. And he says, my Lord, that's got to be one of the top five craziest I've ever dealt with in my life. And I thought, well, I'm glad I was there with you, and I know that's a memory we'll share until death do us part, but that crazy, crazy cat lady from Kokomo, I could take you to her house today, but he taught us to love. He also taught us to give. He taught us to give to God first, and the rest will follow. My father's an old school man in the way of saving. My mother, not so much. My mom will spend, and we love her for that, because she spends on us, and she'll spend his money if he'll ever let it out of his hands for that moment of time, but my father was very militant and is very militant about his spending, but when God required something, he would always give. My father was a giving man, and he's, I hope, passed that on to me and my family to the uttermost, and when money was never enough, he used to give of his time and of his efforts and of his sweat and even of his blood. I remember when we were first on this property, we were putting together a platform for an event that we were going to do outside, and he holds the boards real close, and I'm just like him. I want to get this thing done. Let's, let's push this thing through. And so I've got this big framing nail gun, and he puts his hands right up next to it, and he goes, all right, go. And I shoot it, and it just comes right out the end and just nails him right in the hand, just darts him. And he goes, ah! You know, he just, just screams for a second, pulls the nail out, grabs his hand, and they take him to ER. And I thought, that happened in this very room. <laughs> My father gave of everything he had. Every bit of concrete you walk on outside, every door that you pass through, my father's the one that helped put those into place. I thank God for my father. I'm thankful for the fathers even of this room that have given and given of themselves. That brings me lastly to his work ethic. If there was something that if I could encompass my father in one word, it would be work. And ultimately, during work, there was four words that he would always teach us. I want to tell you about my father today. This is called extra spearmint gum. Wrigley's extra spearmint gum. Has anybody ever tasted this stuff? There's nothing like it. You need to try it. This right here is a full three-course meal. 
Some of you have been there. I want to tell you about this gum. My father would wake up with us, every. it seemed like every Saturday or Friday morning in the summer, and we would have jobs to do. He would lay concrete, and so he gathered his 13-year-old and 10-year-old boy, because we're strong and have went through puberty, and we were ready to go work with him. And so uh, we saddle up real early in the morning. The sun forgot to come up that day, it felt like. I don't know if it was four or five. Time didn't matter. The world had stopped. And we'd get in the truck, and we'd get a Pop-Tart, and you just get out there. And he'd drive that old uh, stick shift, you know, the one that just had the front cab, nothing in the back. And I always got to ride in the middle. That was my spot. Anybody ever ride in the middle? You almost asked for it, so people didn't think you were weird. Like, no, 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 I got the middle. Because <laughs> there's no choice there. And he just ran that third gear and fourth gear, and you just get your legs all raw before you even get to the job site. Just driving, just hustling through town, and we'd make it there. And instantly we get out of the truck, and we say, Dad, we're hungry. He goes, you guys just had breakfast. Dad, we're hungry. We can't, I don't know how we're going to make it through the day. We're starving. The sun would barely hit, and you're like, Dad, I'm going to die of thirst. I'm going to die of thirst. And out of his pocket every single time. He would pull out a piece of gum, and he'd say, here, chew on this. This is not food. <laughs> chew on it. It'll be all right. You're going to make it. We're going to get there. Wh who's never tried this gum? Let me tell you what. If you swallow wrong with this gum, your lungs will burn. <laughs> You're wondering if death is happening. There's something wrong with this gum, but this gum is a part of my life. He taught me to, <laughs> this is why I love the fact I got to get up here and share with you about gum today. He taught me to always show up. He taught me to be on time. And he taught me to work and do my job. If there's nothing else my father's ever taught me is to just be honorable in all that you say and do. People might still be people. You got to learn to love them through all of that good, bad, and otherwise. And I, now I feel like I'm the counselor to him because he's on that last couple years right before you get to just hang up the hat and enjoy life and all that stuff. And I find myself asking him every day, how's today? He goes, oh, my Lord. And I'm, I find myself, the roles have switched finally, you know, where, never, never mind. The roles have switched finally. I look at life and I, I realize as a child, your parents do certain things for you and then as life progresses, it's the other way. And we've taken that first step with him. And the other way is to say, you just got three years left. People are people. People are people. Souls are souls. And so through my father and through me, I hope to, to say not only happy Father's Day, but I thank God for the men that have been in my life. The man truly that has helped raise me to honor my pastor, to honor my assistant pastor, to honor this church, to work hard, to give everything I have, to love. That's who God has raised me to be through my father. And to all of you, I truly do say, happy Father's Day. The newcomer, I don't know if this is prophetically speaking, but it sounds like just a few years you're going in a home. <laughs> I want to wish all of the fathers a very happy Father's Day. It's my opinion that CLC is blessed with some of the best men and best fathers who are leading their families in the ways of the Lord. And I understand that this is not an easy task because in our society, it seems that it doesn't support godly homes and godly families and lifestyles, let alone men that are priests of their homes with families who are submitted to their leadership. 
And so I want to say thank you to the fathers who boldly counter our culture and are unashamedly establishing that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I assure you that there will come a day that you will reap the benefit of it. I stand privileged today to reference two men that embody the type of father that I just spoke about. Growing up in my house, uh, there was never a question of where our family would stand in regards to walking with the Lord and working for the kingdom of God. And as uh, Brother Danny has already said, for those of you that don't know, that's my bratty little brother. But we were never given an option and an opportunity to make our own decision. The Lytle family was not the family that was up one day and down the next day, living for God when it was convenient and then doing our own thing when we wanted to. There was a consistency when it came to the things of God and his house, and I am proud to say that it was my dad that led that charge. My dad has remained faithful to God and to the church my whole life, and for that, I am grateful for that example. Many of you here today grew up with Dan Lytle as your youth pastor, as Brother Jason has already stated, and as your worship leader. And it wasn't that he could necessarily sing. In fact, quite the contrary. But what it was was that there was a need and a void, and he believed and he taught my brother and my sister and I that you did whatever you needed to do to fill the void. And so he chanted his way through songs and worshiped with everything that he had, and God always honored it and showed up with his presence. My dad invested years into young people with little personal reward to show for it, but he believed that he could make a difference in their lives. He played ball with them, drove them to camps, rallies, and tournaments without complaint. He encouraged them to keep living for God when there were pressures for them to pursue secular things instead. And he led them on adventures that many of them will never forget. How many of you have ever TP'd your own house under the direction of Dan Lytle? And if you were one of those young people, you know that if he ever said, trust me, it was time to run for cover. If there has ever been one thing that I have heard from people regarding my dad, it has always been, he never changes. And it is true, he never changes. He has remained consistent in his walk with God in his desire to do whatever he can for the church, and in his witness to those who know him. There is a lot to be said for consistency and faithfulness. I tried to snap a picture last week as my husband and I were pulling into the campus. In the front yard was a 71-year-old man with a lawnmower and a weed eater caring for the lawn of this vast place when a lot of men half his age never noticed that the grounds needed attention or were willing to give up their personal time to do it. Thank you, Dad, for never assuming that someone else will do it 
and for your willingness to do whatever you can. Our pastor preached last week about there never being a time to say, I'm too old, I'm too tired, I'm just going to take a step back and sit down. Thank you for your faithfulness and consistency to the house of God, the work of God, and the kingdom of God, and for never sitting down. It doesn't go unnoticed. They say that a girl marries someone like their dad. But those could be fighting words. <laughs> However, my husband shares the same qualities. Compare anyone that you would like, and you will not find a man that is more consistent or more faithful than my husband. In fact, you will not find a man with more integrity or worthy of more honor. He is a man to admire, to aspire to be like, and a role model to pattern your life after. He is a man that can be trusted, who keeps his word, and has the best interest of his family and this church at heart, even at his own expense many times. We have been married for 29 years, and I don't know how that's possible because I'm only 25. I thought I'd try. And I've watched him as a father for 24 of those years and as a spiritual fa father to many for over 17 years now. Whether you call him dad or pastor, you know that you can trust him. It's been a standing joke for several years that if you ever get in a bind or a fight, you really want a Jordan boy in your corner. But let me just say that if you ever get in the fight of your life or a fight for your life, you want that Jordan in your corner because you know that you can trust him. My children and I can attest to that. He never offers advice because it benefits him. He drops everything to come to the rescue, even when he could say, I told you so. He refuses to leave someone in a crisis because he loses interest. He restores those whom others feel are not worth restoring. He never gives up but keeps reaching for those that seemingly reject him. He dreams big, loves completely, and would lay down his life for his family and his friends and this church. This is a man that you can trust. I believe that the ultimate biblical example of this type of trust is the story of Abraham and Isaac. Isaac was the fulfillment of a promise from God. Abraham treasured Isaac. Isaac was his pride and joy. He wanted the best for his son, all the way down to a wife that Abraham had specific qualifications for. And Isaac trusted his father's choice. God spoke to Abraham and told him to take his son and to offer him as a burnt offering. Yet the Bible does not indicate that Abraham argued with God or that he questioned God about what he was requiring of him or of Isaac. Abraham was willing to sacrifice the most important thing to him because Abraham trusted God with his son and his son's future without reservation. We all know 
how that Abraham took Isaac up the side of the mountain with fire in one hand and a knife in the other. And Abraham went as far as to lay the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders for Isaac to carry. At some point in their journey, Isaac asked Abraham about the fact that he saw fire and he saw the wood, but asked the question, where is the lamb for the burnt offering? The only response that Abraham was, was a, or had was a confident response that God would provide himself a lamb. And that answer was enough for Isaac. He didn't have to see the lamb. He didn't need proof. His proof was that he had seen a consistent and faithful walk with God from his father. And so he trusted his dad's word and his dad's God, and he did not question. We understand that the story was the ultimate test of Abraham's love for God and his willingness to not withhold his most treasured possession from God. Yet I believe that this scenario was more for Isaac than it was for Abraham. You see, Abraham knew that he was placing Isaac in the hands of a God who was real and alive, who provided for his children, who delivered and caused his children to be victorious over their enemies, a God that could be trusted with their very lives. But Isaac had not yet learned that for himself. Abraham got to the top of the mountain, and the scripture says that he built an altar, and he laid the wood in order. And then he bound Isaac, and he laid him on the altar. This would seem unfathomable to most of us. To many, it would appear that Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son for ministry to God. The Bible does not indicate it, but I'm sure that there was confusion in Isaac's mind. Why would my father sacrifice me for his God? But Abraham trusted God, and Isaac trusted Abraham. Abraham knew that if he could bind Isaac to the altar at a young age, then Isaac would build altars at an older age. And altars in a life ensure that God remains in that life forever. So in Genesis 22, Abraham builds an altar. And in Genesis 26, Isaac builds an altar for himself. Then in Genesis 31, Jacob, Isaac's son, builds an altar. And from Jacob, whose name was later changed to Israel, came the 12 tribes of Israel. And from one of those tribes, Judah, came Jesus Christ. Greatness was birthed from a life of faithfulness and consistency and integrity and trust that kept altars a part of their life forever. To our young fathers who are in ministry, take your children alongside of you. You are not sacrificing them. You are establishing them in a relationship with God. And there will come a day that your sons and your daughters will walk in truth, and it will be the greatest joy that you've ever experienced. To every father, build a relationship so strong with God that your children trust you because they trust your relationship with God. And lastly, teach your children to build consistent altars that they are faithful to, and one day they will build altars in their own lives. Happy Father's Day.
Amen. I'd just like to say happy Father's Day to every father in here. I don't think that it's any secret that every single child wants to be just like their father. Can I hear an amen? Most children want to be just like their fathers are. There's something about a father that a father, they don't just provide, but they love, and a father restores. But beyond all of these things, one thing that I can say for my life is that a father challenges. A father challenges you to do more than you've ever done, to be greater than you have ever been. I'll never forget my great-grandpa. Just a couple weeks before he passed away, I walked into the room, and he reached up and he grabbed me by my hand, and he said, Gentry, I want you to always remember this. Preach the truth and preach it with everything that you have. My grandfather told me a little while after that, Gentry, if you're going to do this, do it with everything that you have. My dad told me a little while after that, you square your shoulders, you point your toes, and you flat preach what the Lord gave you. You see, the fact of the matter is this, is that fathers, they have an ability that they put something over their children. They cover their children. They give to their children. The Bible tells us that Elisha puts on the coat of Elijah, and then he cries, my father, my father. The Bible tells us that Joseph goes to his son, and he puts a coat over his son, and he puts something on him where Joseph understands that he always had a special place in the heart of his father. The prodigal son, he runs away from home. He turns his back on his father, but the Bible tells us that there came a point that even the prodigal son understood that he needed a father in his life. And after he'd done everything that he had known that he shouldn't do, the Bible says that his father puts a coat over him and he anoints his son and he brings his son back into the father's house. You see, there was a long time ago that my dad looked at me and he said, son, you can do anything that you want to do, but Gentry, you're going to have to give it everything that you have. You see, this tie that I have on right now, this is my, my, this is my father's tie. And my father told me one time, he said, son, every time you step to the pulpit, he said, you put that tie on. You look to the people, he said, and you preach the truth to them. My great-grandfather handed me a few years ago, he handed me this big red study um, um, Bible that many of you have seen for many, many years. You see, he used to walk into the church out on out on uh, Delphi Avenue, and he'd lay this big study Bible on that giant pulpit, and he'd preach the Word, and the Holy Ghost would move. A few years later, my dad would walk up to the pulpit, and he would begin to preach that, and something would begin to happen, and you see, there are ways that they preached it, they would be a little bit different. One might preach one way, and another might preach another but the fact of the matter is this, is one thing always stayed the same. 
and it was the word that they preached from. You see, I came just to speak to somebody for just a few seconds today that we have to honor our fathers, and today we've come here to do that. But I've just come to tell someone that there's no greater way to honor our fathers before us than to preach the truth and to be an apostolic church in this generation. You see, the fact of the matter is while our earthly fathers put something on us, our heavenly father put something in us. You see, Jesus said, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, which is Jesus. You see, he said again that these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They'll cast out devils. They will speak with new tongues. You see, Jesus even said again, he said that, that behold, I send the promise of my Father to you. And we know that that promise was the promise of the Holy Ghost. And then we see that after Jesus is crucified, that disciples gather together and the Holy Ghost sweeps into the room with them and the Bible says they begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. And that day it was more than a father putting a coat on them. It was more than a father putting a tie on them. But it was the father saying, I'm going to put something inside of you that you see there comes a day when the lights go out and the coat comes off and the tie comes off of your neck that all you have is the individual that's under that coat. But I came to preach to somebody just for a minute today that's what is dwelling inside of you is what the Father came to give you this morning. And I just want to say that the same Holy Ghost and the same Word of God and the same sermon that they preached years ago, ladies and gentlemen, we've got to honor our fathers this morning by saying we're not going to hang up the Word, we're not going to hang up the jacket, but today we've got to stand and be apostolic in word and in deed and in power. And you see, I can't think of any greater way of honoring my father today than saying that, Dad, we promise to preach the truth and we promise to be an apostolic church. You see, I can't think of any greater way to honor my great-grandfather this morning who isn't here than just simply to say to him, Grandpa, I know you might not be here, but let me tell you, we're still preaching the truth and we're still living in power and we're still living in demonstration. And today on a Father's Day, I've come just to say to someone let's keep on being apostolic let's hang on to the truth let's preach the gospel of Jesus Christ because let me tell you as true as it was back then it's still true today that hero Israel the Lord our God is one that there's only one Lord one faith and one baptism and there's only one way to the Father and it's through Jesus Christ I wonder if there's a dad in here today that would just stand to your feet and say, I still believe that truth. I still believe that message. Young people, let me tell you, you've got to hang on to the truth and you've got to hang on to the word. And I feel like today there's a father in this house that would say, I've got to raise my children to be 
preachers of the gospel. Not just to be preachers of it, but to be doers of the word. And I've just come to say to every dad in this place, you have done well. And you've done good. You see, we just came out of a week of youth camp. And I want you to know, don't be afraid. Because you've raised a generation of apostolic young people that still want this truth. And they still want this power. And they still want this word. I wonder today if we could gather together down in the front. And this is what... I'd like you to do for just a minute. If you have if you have a child in here, I'd like you just to link up with your families. If you have any children. You, you see there's something there's something about a father that children watch everything that they do. And while I'm not a father myself, I've had a wonderful example from my dad that I've watched the way that he does and the messages that he's preached and the way that he leads this congregation. And I can honestly say that one day I hope to be half the man that my dad is. The fact of it is that there's many fathers in here that you've raised your children to the best ability that you have. And you have kids and they're looking up to you. But could I tell you that the job is still not done yet? Because we've got to continue to be examples. Because if we lose it now, if we lose our promise of tomorrow, that's our young people. Then why do we even do what we do? So I wonder if you just reach over next to you, if you just lay your hands on your family. We're going to get together in family units. And I want you just to pray over your families today. I want you to pray a prayer of covering and a prayer of anointing. I want you just to lift up your voice all over this house and pray that God would keep them, that God would guide them. I want you to pray that the Holy Ghost would lead them. And above all, I want you to pray that they would grow up just like you to serve the Lord our God. Jesus, Lord, I pray today. God, I thank you for our fathers today. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for this word and for this truth. God, I pray right now, Jesus, Lord, that every person in here, Lord, would take it personal, Lord, to honor our fathers that have gone on before us. God, I pray, Lord, that we would stand in the truth. I pray, Lord, that we stand in the word. God, we commit to you today, Lord, to keep the message the message. God, and to keep the truth the truth. And God, I praise you, Jesus, Lord, for everything that you've done for us. I thank you for our fathers. I thank you for godly examples and godly leadership. Lord, and I thank you today, Jesus, Lord, for your word and for your truth. Oh, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. Truly, if you're here today and your father is not here, before we leave, I just want to, I just want to speak this word to you that Jesus is the father to the fatherless. And there's nobody in this room today without a father because Jesus is in the room today. You ought to just lift your hands from the front of the room to the back and you ought to thank him for being a friend that sticks so close to us. He is our father, our heavenly father. 
We love you today, Lord. We magnify the name of Jesus today. And we worship you. Would you lift your voice right now and just give God praise all over the room right now. Lift your voice in this house. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We worship you. Make me in your image. Wash me white as snow. Purify this heart of mine. Lord, I'm giving you control. Let me be a vessel. One that's worthy to. Be. 